This is a Maybe You Like It production. To find more productions, including podcasts, radio plays, and stage plays, visit www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Well, this is just something I worked up. Uh, I'll do it for you. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Hello, I'm Jake, and this is the Maybe You Like It podcast, the podcast where we take a play or film that's never been staged before or is never likely to be staged again, and we talk about how we stage it. As always, I'm joined by Caleb. Hello, I'm very ill. <laughs> awesome. And <laughs> one of your best. Thanks. Very good content. Um, you just broken podcast etiquette. Or to be etiquette. <laughs> you don't speak until you're introduced. The people know who I am. I don't. I need no introduction. <laughs> um, okay, so we'll end this. Um, I was going to introduce you as enemy of the podcast, as you asked me to. I am here under duress. Um, <laughs> Listener, you are complicit in this. <laughs> Honestly, turn it off. If you keep listening to this podcast, you are complicit in my kidnapping. I don't want to be here. He's, you he's, don't want to be here. He's looking at the microphone as if it can, as if it can see him. <laughs> as if it is the Oh, it can. Yeah. Oh, it can. He's staring it down. I'm, okay. Yeah. You know what? This, whatever that is, is Daniel Agas, everyone. Hello. Um... Please free me. Please. <laughs> Contact the authorities, honestly. Okay. okay. We'll be done with this joke now. Okay. So, okay, so we've got about a minute of no content there. So, uh, <laughs> 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 I mean, we're about to have 60 minutes of no content. So. <laughs> anyway, we're talking about Brewster's Millions, aren't we? Yes. We are. Yep. <laughs> well said. Um, this is a play um, that was adapted from a novel uh, in 1906. Is that what we said? 1906 slash seven. I think it was adapted and then first performed. Something along those lines. And has since been made into a film in mm-hmm. 1985. Yeah. But by the looks, things a very different film from the play. It looks like it's a concept rather than a story that's been taken. Mm, yeah. Daniel, do you want to give us a quick rundown of, of what happens in this play? I'm glad you asked, Jake. I've been thinking about this for a little bit. Uh, and I've come to the conclusion I don't know very much about what happens in this play. What happened to this play? So there's a character. Uh, this character, his name is Brewster. Brewster's dead. Or Brewster dies at, uh, very early on in the play. What? <laughs> no, no, I lied. No, 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 not quite. It's not quite it. It's not quite it. If we find out right now that he has read the wrong play. So it opens with Baby Yoda, all right? <laughs> and Daniel. in any event, there are only two Jedi left, from what I understand. Uh, it's a very dark time in the Empire. Is that right? <laughs> How did that go? Uh, can can you that Let's, okay. uh, what? Daniel is incapable. Caleb, would you like to? To be clear, Caleb has opened the Wikipedia page. Yeah, just to remind me of the characters' names. There are so many characters movie. in this play. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't even remember the main character. Neither could I. I. That was, was the issue. That was the issue. Monty, Monty, of course. All right. So five minutes and no one said anything of any value. Yeah. Do you want to start again? No. Are you sure? I will cut it down into something workable. Okay. It's gonna be like twelve seconds. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the play opens with a celebration of Monty Brewster, who is our main character, the titular Brewster of Brewster's Millions. Mm. Um, and it he has just 
come into a lot of money through inheritance. Uh, his grandfather has died, and he's giving him a million dollars. Um, and basically, at the end of the first act, um, all of these people, his friends that he works with, uh, and like other high society mates of his, are congratulating him. And then at the end of the first act, he's approached by a lawyer who explains to him that his uncle has just died who hated his grandfather and who will give him seven million dollars in a year's time if uh, Brewster can spend that million dollars in a year uh, except there's really strict rules on how he can spend it so he can't just be frivolous um, and he can't just like make random donations to charity of like a whole the whole million dollars he has to find actual ways of spending it and he can't spend it on assets that he then retains after the year is out um, because then he still kind of owns that wealth in some mm. way. Um, so he goes about hiring his friends to help him spend that wealth without telling any of them um, about it because he's not allowed to tell Another anyone condition. about how it works. And they're all really confused as to why he's spending all of this money that he's inherited and they get very frustrated with him but he just keeps trying to find more and more ways of spending the money that he's been given and then he decides in a moment of desperation to go on a a tour of the whole world on a yacht with his friends and pay for everything (coughs) on the tour um, in order to spend the money and uh, eventually he manages to find a way of spending all of that money and uh, there's other subplots that I've completely missed out. Um, uh, there's a subplot of his love interest in yes. Peggy, who doesn't appreciate his extravagance, and he can't engage with her because uh, that seems to be against the rules too, because it mm. might be some way of cheating by getting rid of the money and then getting it back again at the end. Because um, he's not allowed to marry either, right? No. During yeah, the, well, because the, so the, the, uh, the uh, suggestion is that if he married, that would present some kind of loophole by which he could transfer all his wealth to his wife oh, right, and then yeah. get it back again yeah. or something like, something like that. Yeah, and then, he, and then there's also subplots of, like, uh, a friend of his who meets a woman who is all about <coughs> platonism, like being platonic, mm. um, but then they fall in love <laughs> pretty silly <laughs> not it's not no. him it's another character. no yeah yeah his yeah. friend yeah. and the, the platonic woman yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yes um, and there's I mean the, it's very fun the moment at which he finds out that he is about to earn seven million yeah in wealth at the beginning or that he could he's yeah. about to propose to Peggy so oh, there's there's yeah. drama and then he has to wait the year and she's and, very yeah. upset and there's this and then there's just the, like because of his extravagance everyone thinks he's become like some playboy who just like exactly. full on he's funding this woman who is an atrocious singer, right? I don't think she's that the... bad. It's just that oh, he has really? never He's never to heard check. her sing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I assume that she's just appallingly I mean, bad. I don't think we know. I, I think we could choose that, we that to be the case. Is it yeah. canon that she is actually very talented? Is it canon that she becomes? Well, I she, think she must have some Beyonce talent. Or something the like play that. that he tries to put on that he expects to go badly yeah. doesn't go badly. Uh, it's very meta in that way. No, it's no, no, an it's opera. Not Bruce that, is, that would be fun, though, wouldn't it? An opera that his friend wrote. <laughs> yes. And he, Called he Brewster's... No. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know when you said, let's get Daniel on the podcast? No. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> um, shall, shall we get into I'm this? crying. I, if that seemed incoherent, there'll be a link in below and how you can read well, There'll this. be a link, link to the Wikipedia page, there'll be a link to, link to the play. A wink to the play, a link to the play. A link and a wink. Um, a winky link. A linky winky. <laughs> oh, yikes. Um, 
Are you hoping to make any of the edit? Daniel just gets edited He's out as always I'm joined by Caleb and then we just do the whole thing and Daniel's not in it and he was just sitting That'd in the room. That'd be so upsetting. I would... This is like when I didn't make it into any of my family photo albums. <laughs> Very sad. Shall we get into how we'd stage you have this? a family? <laughs> That's what they said. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so I think we may have some semblance, semblance of a plot there. Any ideas to start with on how we might stage this in today's world. What mm. kind of theatre, what kind of size? I have a fun but completely unsustainable way of staging this. The good thing about hypothetical theatre is we don't have to worry about the environment. Exactly. Well, it. no, it's not even an uh, environmental <laughs> issue. I mean, as in financially, this would be unsustainable. Oh, we have, we have always assumed that yeah, that's yeah. not. <laughs> um, so what you do is you book out a, like a warehouse in... Um, mm-hmm. At some docks, right? Yeah. yeah. And then, I don't know, I'm laughing. This is actually my idea. You book, you book out a warehouse at some docks uh-huh. and you do it as like promenade theatre. So Ooh. the first act, you, you build like the, the sort of lobby of this like really grand house in the first act. And then for the second act, they, they're taken through to the next room and it's like um, that scene in Wolf of Wall Street when they're first setting up the offices in that warehouse in the suburbs. And it's like the office would be like that kind of space. And then the third act, you walk out of the warehouse and you walk up onto a luxury yacht that's parked up in the dock. And that scene takes place on the yacht. That's fun. And like the and and so like the whole like they're they're moored up and stuff by the town and stuff and you have the guy coming on from the docks and you could they you know they he could come round in the little boat and like actually like come onto the boat in real life for the audience. If we buy a wave machine, we can even simulate the bad weather. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. This is this is my idea. (laughs) Cool. I like it. I like it. Um, that was very faint praise. That was damning with very faint praise. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I hadn't heard it before. I, th- I think it's a really interesting idea, and I think it would be really fun. Um, and I think you're right, it is you know, financially difficult. I wonder what it adds in terms of, often with Promenade Theatre, you want to engage the audience in a way in which makes them feel more a part of the play than in a traditional setting. Mm. And I wonder whether this text lends itself to that. Because I think what it does lend itself to very much is that there are four distinct scenes and none of them pan, as it were. They all take place in a very static setting. You've got the deck of the boat, you've got the offices, and you've got the front of the house. And those are three settings that I think, coming up with some way to move between those fluidly Mm. would be maybe more interesting Mm -hmm. than taking it so literally. Especially because there are things like, okay, so if you're going to be all that realistic, then maybe the boat needs to move. But if the boat's (coughs) moving, then it's, the engine has to make a noise and then we probably can't hear. And can we organise it in such a way in which you can stand on the deck of a boat and everyone can actually still see what's going on. And also the acts tend to end not on cliffhangers, but on cut and falls. Yeah. Well, so this is my thought is that you would, you would, find a, a sort of way of of um instead of a curtain fall there being a, a sort of character that we are supposed to follow through into yeah. the next scene which i think you could do relatively easily mm. i also think there is a way of engaging the audience in it so that first scene is like mm. a party right and you have it like rather than like exactly. you know and like rather than like with promenade theater where like 
the oh, I, I've not really been to much promenade theater, but like often it's like you have the audience like stand in like a block and then they follow you to the next bit mm-hmm. of the story. You could like you could have seating. So for the for the party, you could have tables and chairs set out um, for people to sit. For the next bit, you could have desks and then they'd have to stand for the the yacht scene. But then so you're like engaging them in a party. And then, um, they, you know, you can make them feel a part of that scene without having it to be, like, having to be fully, like, speaking at the audience or anything like that. But I do also agree that it's not, like, you know, there's no real, like, fourth wall break or anything taking place. What, what are your thoughts, Dan? Well, what I love about it, about the promenade idea, not that I've been to any promenade theatre, <laughs> not that I've ever been invited to any promenade theatre, but I think that what would work so well with it is that each act increases in absurdity and even in opulence of the next. And so the, I think there can be something that would be really interesting for the audience to move through those settings, as the characters do, as Brewster does as well. The office scene, for example, there's so much slapstick in that scene. It's a very funny scene. I mean, there's the point at which someone is throwing a typewriter around. I mean, it's, it's the kind of comedy that I think could really work very well particularly if you had the audience almost set amongst the cast, just because a lot of it lends itself to that. I don't think it necessarily needs to be in a front-on theatre. Yeah, I think that could, and that could definitely work in terms of, like, like the boat scene, I was imagining it, like, you wouldn't just put them in one place on the deck, they could just, like, fill the deck, exactly. and then there's just a small performance space in which the actors operate. Yeah. And, and, and also, I, I just love the idea of, like, you know, saying like, oh, it's at these docks and the, the audience arrives and they go into the warehouse mm. and like with no knowledge that like another warehouse later they're going to leave and there's going to be a yacht there that they go on. Like if oh, you yeah. kept that Definitely as a surprise. A and I think that yeah. that would be really fun. And as you say, it's that thing of there's this increasing level of luxury and of extravagance yeah. that Brewster is engaging in because yeah. he has to. Exactly. And it is kind of absurd and and ridiculous. And for the audience to be experiencing that in real time would be quite sort of you know in, in a different way to like engaging specifically with the audience that promenade u- theater usually does yeah. it would be engaging the, the audience in the change that Brewster is going through physically yeah. as they move from space to space mm. and if they walked mm. and my thought as well like if they walked back from the yacht back through the offices but the offices are empty now exactly because there's no actors Ooh. there and then they're returning to this candlelit space yeah like which that. is now That's candlelit nice. with sheets over all the furniture yeah. and it's exactly. a completely changed exactly. space from when they yeah. saw it on the on the way in that's really nice I like that that one. is very nice and um, it's a very silly play I mean it lends itself I think to because there are so few sets in the play yeah I mean it is really fixed in those locations in some ways yeah yeah and I mean when when you up when you look at the script as I'm sure you will I don't know why I'm speaking to the microphone as though they're a person. He, Apologies. He, I am just, really gesturing just, to it, you as though you are there. He indicated <laughs> it with his hand. It's very funny. <laughs> In the script, there are these photos that you see of the staging mm. from past performances or from the first The original performance. It's not been put on since its original performance. So, huh. That's yeah. fun. Yeah. That's okay. trivia. I'm saying because it's really fun. I, it's I, a very yeah, fun exactly. play. Yeah, yeah. It it's was, a very fun I was play. surprised because some, you read like, Another episode we did on on Hamilton, like uh, on an old version of Hamilton, like you're like, okay, I understand why this hasn't been put on because some of this has not aged particularly yeah. well. But like most of this has aged relatively well. There's oh, a yeah. couple of concepts that don't make any sense anymore, but otherwise, but are kind of fun enough yeah. that you could just play them off as silly. And, yeah. And, and, which yeah. concept? Which concepts do? You well, do the way the play views marriage as a concept. Oh yeah. Um, the way uh, the play views. Employment 
uh, gambling, mm. various things mm. like that. Um, but in general. Yeah, but yeah. I, but also at the same time, I think some of it is making comment on some of those things. Yeah. Um, no, I, I don't uh, which, think it's problematic. Which, yeah, which yeah, is in a, in a non-problematic way or, or kind of excuses, or doesn't excuse, uh, confront some of what is problematic about it at the time. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I see what you mean. Um, sorry, you. but you were halfway through a point. Was I? All the way back there. I forget. And then we interrupted. I'm sure it was a very fun point. Yeah. You would, well, you were talking about how it's a fun play. Oh, it is a very fun play. And <laughs> I, have no, I have no idea. That's fine. Let's okay. bracket that for a moment. Yeah. It is very fun. It is. That was the fun. end of that point. But yeah. yeah, no, I mean, you've got, like, I've written down some of my favorite lines here. There's a, a moment um, where Monty is talking about his business, mm. and one of the characters says, Just what is your business? And he says, Frenzied finance. Mm. I find that, I just, I just think it's so much fun. Um, and we've even got for the, we've done two plays so far on this mm. podcast, and they've both had a hilarious Frenchman in. Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> oh, I realized yes. that it was so funny. He's he's so brilliant. Amazing. I just, I mean, I just think yeah, there's a lot of fun characters in it. The world building is really great as well because like there's this whole thing of um, Monty is part of like this group of is it eight people, the little the, sons of the rich. Yeah, yeah. The little sons of the rich, where like they have wealthy members of the family but they somehow don't fit into any of these pockets of wealth within their big families right um they're like somehow like the son of the the poor sibling of all of the siblings right and it's quite fun like there's just that idea of that and this community of people that Mm. they've done well for themselves but they also acknowledge the fact that they would have done so much better had they just been their own cousin it's just really fun and like that yeah that whole element and the kind of the way that it builds this sort of fictionalised high society of New York mm. of the early 1900s is really uh, fun. Yeah, and it also builds a kind of like what I might want to call an anti-tension, mm. which is like this tension about whether, I guess it is just tension, about whether he can manage to spend this money. When everyone in the room, act like the, the other characters in the room, are tense about the opposite thing to the things that the audience and mm. one one character is tense about. And I think that's just a really fun dynamic. Yeah, it's really interesting to have, yeah, a kind of dramatic irony that can be shared with one of the characters on stage, <laughs> which is, yeah, is really fun. And like, uh, yeah, and I think that, again, that's something that I'm like, I think that that could lend itself to the promenade space mm. in that like, w- we're all rooting for only one of these characters and all of the rest of this feels like this kind of ongoing action that is like, it is weird, like, the, all of the antagonists are protagonists mm. in some ways. There's no, like, specific, like, villain of the piece. Mm. It's just that all the people trying to do the best thing for the main character mm. are actually doing the worst thing for him. And at the end of the second act, when all of these ridiculous, like, spendings and speculations all work out for him all at yeah. once, and it all comes, like... All, <laughs> it's like, so, it's funny. so funny. It's so funny. He's, uh, he's invested, he's, he's gambled, and the gamble comes off 40 to 1. Yeah. He's invested in wins. a bank... And the bank suddenly the does bank is well. about to close, yeah. and then it suddenly he's invested in a stock that lies. everyone is saying is going to crash, and it just goes up and up and up, and it's yeah. it's so funny. Yeah, and I think in some ways, it, it although yeah, it's all just surface comedy as well. It's mm. kind of speaking to this like the kind of ridiculousness of that period's yeah. um, f- like the the sort of situation around finance in that period. Absolutely. Um, and how like you can just be, as, if you're just someone who has a million dollars any kind of speculation you just come out well you know and it's just a bizarre twist of fate mm. and it's kind of it's it's 
this the message is kind of a bit confused and then it's like oh boy you never knew it was this hard to spend a million dollars which is like obviously like you know there's kind of a bit of a problem mm. but but at the same time i think that there's a way of, of of twisting that meaning in that like um the difficulty in going from being really rich yeah. to being really poor and the privilege that is afforded mm. you of just having that much money mm. and how impossible it is to reach the point where you don't have that much money and you're penniless right, right? It, it's it's literally a, a sort of um yeah, it's it's confronting this idea of privilege yeah. um, and of uh, and of wealth and sa- and saying like, oh, it's so hard to spend a million dollars. In that, like, yeah, it's so hard to spend a million dollars. Imagine having a million dollars and how much wealth that gives you. Yeah. And it, I just think that's yeah, that I think there's a way of, and that would be mm. the, the the difficulty in, in modernizing this is how do you make that message clear? Well, and also yeah. there is an underexplored aspect in the play that I was waiting for up until the very end, which isn't thinking about. I mean, he didn't need to accept the bargain. And a million dollars back in back then, in the early 1900s, even now, is a, a tremendous sum. Then was an extraordinary wealth that would set you up for life. Mm. And there is an element where, I think it hints at this, that he's very greedy. He's very greedy. And he decides to take on this bargain, and it's very fun for the audience. But I wonder if there, there could have been a moment where we think, oh, when he gambles with this money, he's also gambling with other people's lives. And there is that moment when the bank is about to close and he keeps his money in the bank, even though all of his mates from The Little Son of the Rich tell him, take your money out of the bank, it's going to collapse. And the owner of the bank says to him, no, if you keep your money in the bank, you will help save the deposits of all of these other people who also have their very you know, minor investments in the bank. And so there is that moment there where you think, oh, maybe he's doing this for good reasons. And there's also the note that he makes about um, his friend, Mm. that he, his friend steals from him to try and help him. Yeah. And then he writes, the note is, I break my best friend's heart or something. And, Game thirty five thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, and this this idea that he doesn't spend a single moment. As soon as no. it's like, okay, so you spend this, you get seven million dollars. He's like, okay, I'll do it. Oh, it's obvious. Like, it's yeah. obvious to all of us that he has to take. The yeah, money. yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, but it is that thing of it, and, and I think that that's what's lacking from the end of the play. I felt Absolutely. like the end of the play just was like, just ends. Oh, that's it. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it almost felt like mid. It's so abrupt. Practically, it's so right? Abrupt. Like it was like it was. It's a bit of a moment where you expect <clears> the, them to all freeze and to yeah. hear da da bam ba bam. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like, and it wasn't even. But it wasn't even like a punchline or anything. No, it was just the guys here to give you seven. Exactly. Like okay, cool. Yeah, that's how. Yeah, and then he proposes to Peggy, and everything's fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I think that there can be something in that of like, of of everyone just being like, sorry, you spent a year, yeah. spe- like, because he doesn't get a chance to explain to everyone, no. right? Apart from Peggy, very briefly, mm-hmm. and it's just like, okay, so sorry, you you spent a year treating us all like we were against you, yeah. in order to times your your money by seven, right? And that's what you've done, yeah. and and I just think that there's there is something of that you could almost even almost kind of twist it on its head and make him like okay so you're actually kind of a bad guy yeah he's a bit of a dick dick. and I mean what's extraordinary again and this is perhaps an element that's problematic that would need to be changed if he did it again Peggy 
is a very thin character. I mean, honestly, there is. It, I mean, it thin is and passive. As very, well. <laughs> very exactly. Yeah. Her characterization is zero. Yeah. And at the point at which she discovers that, in fact, he wasn't having this tawdry affair at all, and has been an upstanding gentleman, she just takes him back, and then that's that. There's so much more that could have been done in that interaction. Because there is a certain betrayal from him. I mean, he waited a year, mm. basically ignored her for a lot of that time, and there are no consequences for him. And that's something that I think now wouldn't really play with an audience, unless yeah. you were a Hollywood producer, in which case maybe that would play brilliantly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and, and I wonder whether, because I was thinking about if you updated it, would you inflate the amount of money? Yeah. Or would you keep it as one, right. one million? Because that obviously, like, that's still a lot of money, but it is less money these days. Right. And, and keep it as this ridiculous thing of like, because seven million, I mean, you could stop working for life, but you'd, yeah. you'd have to, you, you know, like, you couldn't just be like, all right, I'm going to go and buy everything I want and never work again yeah. in, ever, right? Yeah. So, and I think in some ways, keeping that amount of money as well is even more like, so. Wait, you had a million and you've only come out like with mm. seven million now. Like you're not even, if, if it was right. like a million to a billion, that yeah. would be something completely mm. different, right? But I guess maybe what I like about it being one million versus seven million in the context of the early 1900s yeah. is that it raises the question of greed and that no one, and no one could spend that sum of money in that time. Really? Yeah. No one could spend seven million. I mean, he does, it takes, it, this is the thing that the maths I find a bit strange, and that he takes eleven months to spend five hundred thousand, and then manages to spend the last five hundred thousand in one go. It's, <laughs> it's all about also, in, well, know, but in, <laughs> in that in that one day, yeah. that we see them in the office in like a random day and within the year, yeah. I did I didn't add it up. I think he spends about three hundred thousand. So I think <laughs> no, he's it's he's gonna spend three hundred thousand, but then everything goes wrong and he ends up getting that money. Oh, back. that's true. That's but true. That, and, but, but still, that's the good... any other day of the week. He yeah. might have done better than that, you know? Um, but yeah. There is, a, it's just this whole like, and he, so he has to keep all of his receipts, which I love. And in some ways, like, although that's a really mundane thing, I'd love to see more of just yeah. like. Well, and also, so many of the receipts, receipts are nonsensical. Yeah, what yeah. are these receipts? I, I don't even understand what the nature of a receipt What kind of receipt could the town in France give him? Exactly. It makes no sense to me. What just it is. One, one bribery ball. ticket. I mean, what? 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 <laughs> it, that's just so like. What is that? But I lo- again, I love it because that's part of the like mm. world that the play is. And it kind of justifies it in the way that yeah. it does it, right? We could just change it to be like, if you collect um, 100 KFC coupons, you get $1 million. <laughs> yeah, you get $1 million. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, He's got to go to KFC 100 times. Like, of course it'll be. Um, what a delightful predicament. To well, but that's kind of, that's the implication at the start, right? Is like oh, yeah. how delightful that he has to spend a million dollars. But then it's a way harder than he intended, he thought it would be. So yeah, I guess I guess the next question is, if we're carrying down this route, do do we set it in its original mm. early twentieth century? Do we bring it to the modern day, or do we take it somewhere completely different altogether? I worry about leaving it where it is in terms of just the period costume and the period setting and what we'd have to do to build a boat that fit in the period would just distract, I think, from what we're trying to do with the rest of the message. I wonder about that. I I wondered about. Putting it literally just taking it fifty. Well, I mean, I suppose that this doesn't solve any of those problems. But literally <laughs> just putting it fifteen years ahead and putting it in the twenties mm. and making it about this whole like even make it like twenty nine, right? And like yeah. or, uh, that thing of greed, or put it in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, exactly, and make it all about that that 
agree because again like yeah that that would solve some of those period problems in that like the only the only thing you have to deal with there is like you know obviously some of the technology isn't quite where it is now but yeah. but that's not as hard to do um but yeah just putting it mm. right before a moment of financial crisis really accentuates the idea of greed we said it in world war Two in the trenches in Normandy, and he's gonna spend a oh, million. That's good. He's gonna, he's spend, gonna spend a million, million dollars. dollars. Oh, that's good. Oh, that that is good. That is good. We said Hamlet there too, and then we Hamlet. moved Brewsters. Yeah. Hamlet's also there. It's a it's a play within a play. It's a play within a play. You understand. You understand. You understand. You're saying that there's a play within a play. Brewster is Guildenstone. Yeah, keep going. Keep going. No, I. 2007 would be very fun. Yeah, particularly if. You would have set the office as Goldman Sachs or something. Maybe, yeah. that's, maybe that's too on the nose. Or, or that's like, very or on like, the nose. But like seeming. That's Goldman, the nose. Like like seeming like a Goldman Sachs esque. Exactly. Soldman Gax. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's write that down. You know, there's because there's a. I haven't seen it, but there's a, a Wolf of Wall Street promenade theater production on really? it right now. Yeah, that's interesting. I, they I, stole our idea. And, well, <laughs> but I, I, what's fun about this play, I think, is that Wolf of Wall Street. Like I, I didn't enjoy watching it the first time I watched yeah. it because I found the greed actually made me feel it's unwell. Repulsive. It's it's and that's what it's meant to do, right? Yeah. Like that's the whole point of it. But it was actually like, oh, this is uncomfortable to watch. Whereas this, in some ways, the kind of like the implication is the same greed, mm. but like it's disguised in this kind of game that he has to play, mm. which is I think yeah a lot lighter than what. Wolf of Wall Street's going at. But yeah, I didn't know I was doing a promenade. That's mm. really interesting. Perhaps yeah. the real game was capitalism or... Well, yeah. Why think you, about that. That's exactly the point of you the, think about the that. Play. You think about that. Well, I mean, and comparing it to the film adaptation that I haven't seen, mm. it is a very... It, it feels it could be a very contemporary play. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and even reading it, it is, it is as funny as... I, yeah, no, I think so. Like, a lot of the, like, gags and one-liners and stuff would still work now. Like, you, yeah. there's, you read some plays of that kind of period and you're like, oh, this joke doesn't work. Like, I was, I was reading um, Pygmalion by George Bernard Shaw and there's a yeah. joke in it that he uses the B word and, and, and it's, like, really inappropriate and offensive and the B word they're referring to is bloody. And it's like... And and it's like there's this whole joke set around this idea. There's this whole joke set around this idea that like, oh, he needs to stop. Can you stop using such offensive language? And it's the word is just bloody, (laughs) and it's just so. Whereas this doesn't feel like that at all. This play it does have the first recorded, at least in my mind, the first recorded use of the not joke when Mac says, "We'll see that he gets there." Not, and I thought this is it. This is current. This, this is contemporary humor. I know. Can you believe that? that Sasha Baron Cohen stole. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. No, I like that. I, I like that the the jokes would play now. Oh yeah, to an extent. Like there totally. was there is very little you'd need to do to rewrite it in that way. So yeah, I think two thousand seven works, and in in that as well. Like even like a lot of the costuming and stuff now, it doesn't change that much. Like. The party, they'll they'll all they can all be wearing suits. They'll just be more modern mm. suits, right? Mm. And again, in the office, and and even when they're on the yacht. Although I like the idea of on the yacht, they're all in like polo V necks mm. with like sweaters tied around the necks <laughs> and like chino That's shorts, cute. like like um, boating shoes. I I really are enjoy... they like in the British Channel in that act? <laughs> no, they're in the Mediterranean. Oh, okay, sorry. Or like no. near France, right? They're near France. The France. Maybe I, France. I, took, France. I took it as the other side of France. I think that might be. Oh right, right, what I did. yeah, yeah. But yeah, there are other sides. Yeah, there's the good side and the bad side. <laughs> the bad side. So, of France. Uh, 
Emmanuel Macron, if you're out there, mate, I'm sorry, we didn't mean to be rude about the bad. You, the bad side of France. He actually uh, listens. He is a friend of the pod, <laughs> yeah, so he's enemy of the pod. <laughs> well, I mean, I was thinking, it would be interesting to gender swap some of these roles as well. Because I think that the way... I'm all about this. What was the name of the girlfriend on the play? Poppy, no. Uh, Peggy. 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 Okay, I'll start back. We're all about the gender swap. I, re- I think a gender swap... Peggy, I... Greggy. <laughs> See, that's it. I think we do a gender swap. Peggy's Greggy. Monty okay, no, is... Hang on. But I like the idea of... Monty. That didn't really... No, work, no. Let's stop with the names. We can worry oh. about the names at a different time. I... So, yeah. I wonder... So I think... I think in some cases it would work really well. Yeah. There are some moments that um, I wonder whether they would work so well. So, for example, like, the idea of, like, female grooming, is that something we really want to invoke? Um, so, like, you've got the suggestion that Monty, although he isn't, is kind of paying for Clayton to have all these performances so that he can sleep with her. Mm. I wonder... Mm. I wonder about that the other way around, for example. Yeah. Well, isn't, I think that's, but that's the way more that fun, be- then, in the sense that it inverts this idea. Yeah. So you have a woman funding a fledgling male actor mm. and acting as his patron. Perhaps she's mummy to him. There's a fun little contemporary <laughs> twist. Yeah, and everyone and everyone thinks that she's doing it exactly. in order to have this Seduce affair. With her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I do. I yeah, think, I think that, that, that does, does work. work. I think actually. it does work. Yeah. Exactly. I think that that. But you I think I mean it's right to question these because the the issue that you often <laughs> find with gender swap is that people will do it just being like, well, this is different, but yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean that you're you're making the right message. But I think that would be fun to have. Yeah, to have. And to place, I mean, even if you did all of them, rather than sons of rich, exactly daughters, the daughters of, of the rich, little rich, yeah, yeah, and and it, and that could be quite fun to have the character, um, oh, which is the friend that is trying to ends up with the platonic woman. Is that Mac? A uh, van. 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 So if Van was a woman, and then it was a platonic man, exactly. and then that's quite a fun sort of inversion of that. As I well. know several philosophers who would already fit that role. Oh. <laughs> and I mean, there is there is a lot of fun. To also thinking about Peggy, who as a character is so thin, yeah. to have that role played by a man and to invert something, I think that'd be very Which fun. is akin to, I mean, not that the only decent, no, whatever I was going to say was just, that seems akin to the, the boyfriend in Fleabag, is what I was going to say. But yeah, exactly. no, exactly. Yeah. But no, that is definitely true. Ooh, and, and, we could cast Phoebe Waller Bridge, that would be big. As the, as, Mo- as, as Monty. As Monty, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, she, yeah. She's doing a great job. Yeah, she would. She's, I mean, we could just sit here all day and name good actors. <laughs> Let's do that. The next 20 <laughs> minutes, the next 20 minutes, dear listener, will be us listing actors. list of good actors. Um, <laughs> Caleb Barron well, will not appear. <laughs> we'll link to the description, in the description, the Wikipedia page of list of actors. <laughs> <Mr>. Wikipedia. <laughs> brackets, American, close brackets. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is an American. I reckon she could do an accent, though. I reckon she could. You know what I think she could? <laughs> I don't know. I, it remains to be seen. We will email her and ask. We'll get back to you. It'll be in the um, No, but I think that's fun. I think gender a gender swap. And then, and then placing it in 2007 as well yeah. is even more... Because a lot of stuff that's come out since then, stuff like, I'm thinking like The Big Short and stuff like that, mm. is all about like these greedy men that, you know, like one out in the face of everyone else losing out. Yeah. But actually, if we're saying this, you know, this is a more surface, 
like it's silly and it's fun and although there is elements of that going on underneath yeah. we're not delving too far into them it's, it doesn't explore it in as much detail as the big short mm. then I think it'd be quite fun to do a gender swap and to completely change the dynamics that are going on there um, to yeah rather than you know there, there being five minutes stage time for the exactly. female roles exactly. there's five minutes stage time for the male roles because exactly. they're they're just these silly men that are taken along for the ride which I quite like yeah, I think I like that's fun that as well, I yeah. think that's really fun mm. and I think it also sets the yacht trip if we were to set that now it is an even more absurd excess in that who who, who takes yachts around? Maybe people take yachts <laughs> yeah. around. I don't know. Do people take yachts around? I, I don't know. I think Some only the mega rich yeah. take yachts around. Yeah. And that's exactly the point that's being yeah. made, right? Is like, is how, how can I be excessive? I think as well what would be really fun is if the yacht is like very over the top, like a swimming pool on deck or something like that. I was thinking that the yacht, <laughs> instead instead of being a yacht... I, wonder, I was thinking, what is our contemporary version of a yacht that goes around the world in the early 1900s? And I wonder it's if a it's something... Chat. Well, exactly. I wonder if it's something like Elon Musk's SpaceX and actually <laughs> it's set in the, you know, near atmosphere I feel like Earth. I feel like in a promenade, this isn't going to work so well. <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah. they, they approach... Part through the show, we, oh, yeah, we take, we take off. rocket. Oh, yeah, because that's it. We're yeah, in yeah. zero gravity for yeah. 90% of this production. <laughs> in the same way that our actors will be... I don't know where I was going with that sentence. <laughs> They'll be reaching for the stars. I was hoping okay, that yeah, somebody yeah, would... Yeah, oh, yeah. Something there like that. <laughs> there is one... Um, there's one character in this play that I find very f- funny uh, that is a... What? A female character with agency in 1900s? Ah! Um, is uh, Miss Boynton, who is the... Um, she's the stenographer in the office. Yeah. And um, she... I just find this is... It's just a really... She's not made it very long. But it's just a very funny scene where mm. she manipulates well at least thinks she's manipulating um Monty by saying by saying oh you're treating me so badly by sending my letters via telegram yeah. and um you know I, I could have married my previous boss <laughs> and to try and get something out of him and she and she, he like gives her like a box at the theatre or whatever mm. which I just thought was quite fun that is fun um I'd forgotten about that scene. That yeah. was a yeah. fun scene. <laughs> that was a fun this little was a cameo. Fun little cameo characters. Yeah. And, you know, we can talk about how, you know, people having enough stage time, whatever. But I think... Um, there are so many characters. It's like 14 or 15 It is a right? wild... There's yeah. room for multi-rolling around the, like, core eight, I think. So, like, the Frenchman can be paid by the same person as, like, the lawyer and things like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Would it be fun to... Just going back to that thing of the Telegram, right? Because Telegrams are expensive. You paid per mm. word. We have instant messaging now. What if they had their messages all sent by courier, like... Like have a person who goes and recites messages to people. <laughs> what by um? <laughs> I mean, what's that, what was that called? It's something gram. Like a, oh yes. Well, like they they do like singing telegrams okay. and stuff, right? Yeah. Or, or are you thinking of a stripper gram? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> they send, they send a stripper gram out to give a message. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I think so. No, no. If, if she hires a male stripper. But Jake, we said we wouldn't talk about Noon Night. I don't know why you insist on bringing it up. But I, I think you could, you could still call it a telegram, right? In the it, As it is. Yeah, I mean, Western school. Union still exists. Like, you well, can still yeah. send things. And I do. I send telegrams off. <laughs> I like, but I like the idea of the added thing of like people wouldn't be able to receive these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Would be quite funny. Like it's just this extra extravagance Mm. of just like this is completely ridiculous that you would choose to do that, which is uh, just in any way to spend the money that needs spending, Mm. which is yeah a lot of fun. So all of the the 
daughters of rich are quite well educated, right? Yeah. But they but they also all decide to take this job with Monty. Mm. Um, so, is that? Are we suggesting that they... How young are they? Are they just out of university? They haven't got graduate jobs yet? They're not in a career mm. yet? Like, what are we doing? Because there's, there's a fun way of doing it where they're like all like in their mid-30s and they haven't really achieved anything. And it's like, the, this is the chance to like get all of this money and, and reach settling down for life at that point in life where you might want to settle down and have all of that safety money to do that. But then also you could do it where they're like straight out of university and it's that like young, hungry greed to get as much out of mm. everything then as they can. Because mm. it's kind of the implication in that first scene, right, where all of his friends are congratulating him on getting a million dollars from his grandfather no, dying. It's actually a housewarming. Oh, right, because he gets the house. The house. Yeah. But they're... It's implied that they're kind of crazy. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I guess... And I think the difference in, in how you... What, what age you decide to have them yeah. be would make a huge difference in kind of what what it is that's fueling them to get that money, mm. especially Monty, but also... There's, there's a sense that all of them are kind of like, how much money can we get out of yeah. whatever situation they're in? Mm. And you get this fun moment at the end of the first act where he is, he's doing this thing that's very, it felt very Ocean's Eleven to me, where he's like, I'm going into business, come with me. <laughs> I, felt, I found that very funny. And I, yeah, so I think, okay, so that's what being that age gives you, and being in your 30s gives them more of the kind of knowledge of the markets that they kind of seem to evoke when in the second act. Um, and that thing of, and that thing of, now's the time to settle down, having this money would be the way to do that as well. For sure. And like the yeah. whole retiring early now and stuff like that, like people like love this idea of like oh, working yeah. your 20s to just make whatever you can and then yeah. like working part-time the rest of your life and just enjoying yourself. And Yeah. Yeah. This I know, is I, yeah. characteristically rogue of me. Okay. I wonder if there'd be something fun in staging it as though the little daughters of the rich are actually in their mid-60s. <laughs> and they're... In the sense that... There is a fun play then on these characters who really are, I mean, they have, and the idea that your grandfather dies when you're in your mid-60s is just fun in love itself. But, you know, technology, etc. It's plausible. And they speak as though they are very young. And, yeah. and because there is a frivolity to what people, to what they're saying, particularly in that early scene in the housewarming. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think you can make it. I'm that committed. Far. I'm committed to the big mid sixties. I actually really like this. I think we, I think we should commit to this. I think it could be their father who dies, That's and good. then the uncle and father didn't get on. You can just explain yeah. that away that way. There is a fun idea as well. Yeah, this idea of like there are these like yeah the, the daughters of rich who've like they've just slogged their whole life, exactly. not making the kind of money they want to make. Even like or even having it where like yeah they've never been given the opportunities in the workplace they might have wanted to be given oh, all this stuff oh, and then and then they get to that point where they're like 64 and they're like we're nearing retirement and they're like you know what I don't want a million dollars for my retirement I want seven million dollars for my retirement I think that's really fun I think that's very fun I think, it's, fun. I think it's so stupid it's so dumb <laughs> it's so it's cataclysmically foolish and that's fun you know I mean there's something there with you know there's not enough Older female roles as well. Just older roles in general. Yeah, yeah, older female roles specifically, yeah. This is praxis. I'll say it. Staging this play (laughs) as a promenade with Elon Musk's SpaceX with (laughs) older women. Is he a sponsor now? Oh, he is. (laughs) Oh, he is. Elon Musk presents (laughs) Elon Musk is the father who dies at the (laughs) beginning of the play. (laughs) And the uncle is... Steve Jobs? No, he's already dead. The, <laughs> the, the uncle is, is the person who's suing him for defamation at the moment. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like this. This is so 
different. I, I no, but as in like really, like I think it's exciting. It's telling a story that's just like a really standard comedy in such a bizarre way. And every line that they say would just be dripping with irony. Yeah. At the point at which you perform it with. 60-year-old, 70-year-old women. In the sense that planning for an early retirement is just... I mean, it makes a comment about how difficult it is to retire yeah. in our current economy. Yeah, exactly, but it's also yeah. just extremely absurd. Be- people working into their late 70s, like, this is... Exactly. It's And I want to see the, the proposal. Comedy, yeah. I want to see the proposal. The You know, there's so much going on. I love this. I don't know about... Because we're trying to make... We're also trying to tell this story about, about the financial crisis about to happen and we're in a bubble and that kind of thing. Yeah. I wonder whether making them in their 50s would still yes. get that across while yeah. also having this interesting... I now I want them might... in their 90s. <laughs> <laughs> they come out of retirement. The end of the first this is, is like... Oceans, everyone, they're out of their retirement for out, one last job. Come out of retirement with me and do this. You son of a bitch, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you want to be the little daughters of the rich again? (laughs) I haven't heard that name in years. (laughs) I really like that. No, I think... And little takes on a fun you. I mean, they will be... They'll be little. Small old women. It's actually just... It's promenade, but you're just following these um, coffins with the speakers in. And they they come out of retirement from life. <laughs> oh, that's dark. Oh, no, that, that is so dark. they're zombies. I like this. <laughs> so they're zombies. No, zombies. I, I'll, I've said it. I'll say it again. There's not enough roles for dead <laughs> female. All the zombie women. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I I think Jake might have a point in the the kind of late fifties. Let's rein it in slightly. No, I think this is fun though. This is a completely different story and it's still like dripping with irony and that like this is a story about young men being greedy and you're just completely flipping that i think that's so much fun in that and and i think it's still i think it still gets across the kind of narrative we want to get across i think so so. and and so yeah you have that element it's an interesting way of staging it but it's also a completely different way of characterizing every single element of this (laughs) Plus, putting it right near the financial crash and making a yeah. comment on that. Okay. Wow. There's very little this play doesn't comment on at the moment. I mean, we are really, we're covering the gap. Everything. Every what syllable okay. comments on something. We even commented on French politics. Like. Yeah, and that idea as well of it being this young, the young actor as well. And oh. The, oh, exactly, exactly. Oh, I really like that. Yeah, yeah, that's really funny. And then do... Oh wait, is the young actor also in oh, the 50s? No, 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 no still yeah. They're like they're like 22. Oh, okay. No, they're okay. still they just graduated. It's kind of like right. a it's kind of like an inverted Leo DiCaprio, right? That's what we do. <laughs> we need to cut that. I'm going to say allegedly, but it's not it's not like it is alleged or anything. <laughs> Leo DiCaprio's alleged girlfriend. Yeah. It's like you. <laughs> All right. So we have this the the late middle-aged women. Yeah. The the young actor is very funny. <laughs> Pe- the Peggy Gender reversal. Do we make Peggy young, or did they still grow up together? And is this this like fifty old? Uh, Peg- oh, the fact. Oh, this like a like a romance that's been going for fifty years. Yeah, and they've never and got they've together. never done anything exactly. about it. Because oh, there is that's this kind so of weird, cute. Yeah, that's very cute. I think that's fun. That's, that's nice. very fun. And then, very chaste, appropriate for all audiences. <laughs> yeah, I think this is the kind of thing you could be selling to audiences of fifty plus, and they I would agree. love it. We tore nursing homes with this bad boy. We may have to. People were in nursing homes. (laughs) 55. (laughs) 55. This is the last joyride before they go to the cemetery. I was going to say we're just appealing to the bottom end of people who currently can afford to attend the theatre. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I think that's perfect. 
those are the people we want to appeal to, right? They're the people that can afford to go to the theatre. And this is going to be an expensive play. It's going to be a very we're, expensive We're having a luxury yacht. I mean, in my head, we're renting Battersea Power Station. Oh, that's not a bad shout. I like that. <laughs> I like uh, that a lot. No, we stage it as Sure. We stage it Caleb is from a little town called Well, this is a lot of personal information. His address is... <laughs> Please bleep this. I don't want them to know where he's from. So I just had a thought about... Um, there's a place in Cornwall, the Minerva Theatre, which is on the coast, and it's literally cut out of the the rock Ooh. in the in the cliff face. Um, but there's and then there's a small walkway down to a beach. There is there maybe somewhere you could put it in that space. I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. That's I think idea. that it's just an nice. idea. But also, I quite like the idea of it being in this like industrial warehouse dock area yeah. because it's kind of that thing of the sort of. Finance is a kind of industry, right? And there's an industrial yeah, element yeah, to it, right? Yeah. Finan- financial sectors don't look like like any kind of like coastal or like mm. countryside area. They are very yeah, urban I in agree. that way. And the, I know I was joking originally, but actually, Bassey Power Station really does um, like symbolize that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah. there is actually a set of theatres next to Bassey Power Station. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, when I was first thinking of it as well, I was thinking of. Um, the docks in San Francisco because when I went out there uh, why were you there Caleb? a little while ago it doesn't matter um, but I went out there a little while ago and there and the docks there would be the perfect place because it's just this this huge line of like warehouse after warehouse after mm. warehouse and some of them have been around for like over a hundred years as mm. well and then some of them <clears throat> are a bit newer and and so yeah doing it somewhere like that would be really cool as well um, I was when I was reading it it felt to me like it would be the perfect musical in that it just has slapstick, it has uh, all those elements. It has very, very thinly drawn female characters. Oh. It would make, well, a classic Gold Porter. A classic Gold Porter. See, earlier when you said, I'm going to make a wild suggestion, I thought that's what you were going to say. Really? I thought you were going to ask to make it a musical. But I think, there's, I think you can avoid making it a musical, um, but, but the whole point is that you're retaining, because I, I have this feeling about... Often the straight plays have to be serious and grounded, mm. and and the only way for something to be fun is for it to be a musical. That's but fair. actually, I think there's a way that you could introduce music without making it a musical. Exactly. And and, and a play with songs, some they say. <laughs> yeah. um, but I mean, and that was very of that time as the well. Threepenny millions. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, like every, like pretty much every Noel Coward play has one or two songs in it, yeah. but it's not a musical. And like, yeah, I think it's very of that time. Yeah, and I. <laughs> I'm really keen not to shop. I'm really keen not to bow down to the idea that that in order to be mm. fun, a play has to be a musical. Yeah, I wonder what what is suitable the musical form for it. Is that a musical is so aware of its own artifice? It's just so aware that it is self consciously doing something to set up a scene, to set up a situation, and this play does that too. I mean, the dilemma is so contrived. Yeah, in a way true. that musicals yeah. are so contrived. And I think having and lean into that having these late. Middle-aged women is even more contrivance. Exactly. Another layer, another of layer that. of just... and an acknowledgement of that. Yeah, I really like that. That's mm. yeah. I just can't imagine what the choreography would look like. <laughs> For some reason, I'm imagining like Bob Fosse-esque fifty-year-old women. Like it's Betty White in an office. Yeah. In a way, I'm imagining if it was to be musical, it's um, the producers, the the music number that the the old grannies do, where they follow him round on Zimmer frames to get <laughs> to give Max Bialystok their money. That's that's what I'm imagining. I'm right thinking now. nine to five, except we have the original cast from nine to five now, <laughs> and that's how we do it. That's how we do it. Similar music. Dolly Parton is Monty Brewster. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
And she <laughs> She'd is, be a great Monty. She Boston. would be a fabulous Monty. I'd say better than Phoebe. She's the full Monty. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she has far more than $1 million. Well, yeah. <laughs> She'd be like, this is beneath me. <laughs> oh, do you think it's a self-insert for Dolly? We make Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton plays Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton is yeah, yeah. Dolly Parton in Brewster's Millions. In Brewster's Millions. In Dolly's Millions. Okay, I think we've gone well and truly off the rails. So <laughs> so we're not doing a musical, <laughs> but we're, we're acknowledging that it is similar to a musical in that it's fun. <laughs> and it's and we're open. We're open, and it's we're open to having songs. Yes. We're yeah, open yeah, yeah. to songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think next time... Next time we might we might find a play that we might be able to change into a musical or another time. That could be fun. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like this. So I like this too. And we've changed this so much, but in a really good way. I think all of these are positive mm. changes to stage this. Yeah, and actually, we've changed a lot, but we haven't changed anything in some ways. In know? many ways, wow. it, it's exactly that. The same script. Well, that was. Like, I wasn't, the real change I wasn't, was none of the changes that we made along the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't trying to be deep. I was just saying we've kept most of the dialogue. No, I mean, we've yeah. Oh, yeah. The slapstick moments. We've kept the plot. Like, the, like so often we're like, oh, we'll just rewrite this. But yeah. actually, like this, we're like, we don't need to rewrite this. We just need to restage it. And that's more exciting. When you recontextualize this, yes. you add so much more to it. And yes. you can use that original script. And bring in elderly women. And yeah. there's absurdity to that. There's fun, there's twist. Yeah, yeah. And it's changing that, yeah, changing the, the setting, like, yeah, the like context in terms of time, yeah. but also in terms of, like, exactly. putting it in the promenade setting as yeah. well. As, yeah, this okay. is all very exciting. Cool. Well, I think that that's, a, that's it then. Yeah. I so, let's stage it. Let's do are it. Are the outlets willing to fund this bad boy? <laughs> what are the outlets? Oops. This is maybe you like in productions, Daniel. <laughs> um, Oops. <laughs> oh, we forgot to say, I that. forgot to introduce you as. Let me just do this one more time so I might be able to oh, insert okay. it. Um, we're joined by creator of the phrase, maybe you like it, maybe you don't, <laughs> and enemy of the podcast, Daniel Ergas. I have been coerced to be on this podcast. <laughs> I want to be very well, clear. I can edit that bit back in, don't worry. Please. <laughs> <laughs> We can. I can just answer that. But right? he's also can cut out the bit where you say you're being coerced. <laughs> Please free me. I might just leave this in right here at the end at of the, the podcast. podcast. Okay. Okay. Um, we've had was, fun. We've had fun. We've this had has been fun. fabulous. Had this fun. has been fabulous. I've had, had fun. fun. You had fun. I had fun reading the play. I've, I've had fun. fun discussing how we put it. this. Is I had fun. You reading the play to me? I didn't do. That. I have not enjoyed this whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Please let me go now, boys. <laughs> okay, we will. We'll, My family miss me. We'll, we'll let him go. Um, Daniel's going back to Australia. I know. So everyone say so bye, bad. Daniel. Oh, do you want to give your address live on air? Yeah. yeah. Seven oh one Paddington, New South Wales. Is that actually it? It is. Gonna, that is my address. You're going to have to bleep that. We'll cut that it. is my address. Just bleep <laughs> if selected I elements. I bleep the last number of the <laughs> The <doctor>. last number. <laughs> uh... <laughs> oh no, I'll just bleep the n*** <laughs> in South Wales. <laughs> well, you have to bleep that as well now because you told them it's n*** South Wales. You bleep the n*** every time. Anyway, this has been fun. This has been oh, maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Oh, save it okay, for the end. that's not how that works. What do you mean? Okay, that's how it right. works. You know okay, what? Okay. okay, I think I think we should we should bring this to an end now. I think we've done. Yeah. Daniel, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you guys for letting me go. It's been <laughs> terrible to be imprisoned, but I am glad to finally have earned my freedom. And to, and to know that the whole time, all you need to do is read this play and tell us how you would stage it, and that was how yeah. you got your freedom. Yeah. Thanks to the guys at Her Majesty's Prison Service for letting us use their <laughs> podcasting facilities. And <laughs> I don't like this at all. I don't like this.
should um, do it again. I feel yeah, bad. I mean, we should probably do that again. Should we start Let's do it again. Because that is inappropriate. I, I don't want to be catched. Daniel, other than your address, do you want to be contacted at all? Please don't contact me. <laughs> okay. Or my son. Ever again. <laughs> your son. <laughs> okay. Brilliant. Um, Although, if you could like my profile picture, I would appreciate it. Thank you very much. Just <laughs> find you on Facebook? Yeah, please find me on Facebook. Okay. <laughs> okay, Jake, where can people find you online? I am on Twitter at Jake Reesh, that's Jake R E S H. And Caleb, where are you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Caleb Lebster, C A L B N B S T E R. Okay, and we are Maybe You Like It Productions, and this is the Maybe You Like It podcast. You can find us at Maybe You Like It with a text speak you on Instagram and Twitter, and at Maybe You Like It Productions on Facebook, and that's with a normal you. Or you can find us at www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk or drop us an email at info at maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. And if you enjoyed this, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast around. And rate us. Yeah, rate us. Just, you know, do all Five the things that only. generally give people more viewers. If you didn't enjoy it, tune in next week. I won't be here. Yeah, it will be completely so... different. Okay, thanks for listening, everyone. Maybe you liked that. Maybe you didn't. I did not. Please let me go. Seriously. <laughs> Come on. Thank you very much. That was a Maybe You Like It production. Maybe you liked it, maybe you didn't.